Have you hung out with any kings recently? This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another episode of Tachlis Talks, growth-oriented, parish-related Torah podcast. We are up to the Torah portion of Vaira. We are in the midst of the showdown between Moshe and Pharaoh. Moshe and Moses representing, of course, God, who will eventually be taking us out of Egypt, but Pharaoh doing everything he can to stand in the way of that happening. Pharaoh, who is being dismissive, Paro being defiant, Paro being corrupt and evil. And yet, Moshe is told by God to maintain respect for Paro, or at least to talk in a manner that displays respect to Paro. In our Parsha, at uh, chapter 6, verse 13, when Moshe is describing what could be called Pharaoh's eventual giving in and coming to plead to Moshe, okay, I've been wrong, bring the Jews out of Egypt. The scene that's been put to music as a kid song of Paro the pajama, the Emsa or Paro in pajamas in the middle of the night when Paro comes, Moshe, Moshe, where's Moshe? Get these Jews out of here. That scene, Moshe avoids referring to Paro being reduced to having to come begging and instead says, your servants will come and ask of me to let the Jews out or send the Jews out, even though it will eventually be Paro, but he is to talk to the king in a manner that does not deride Paro. And eventually, in next week's Parsha, when once again, Paro's incredible defiance and Paro's chutzpah telling Moshe, out of here and I never want to see you again, and Moshe is actually at that point angered by Paro's uh, defiance, even then, we find that the terminology he uses is purposely avoiding making any statements that would be lacking respect to the pharaoh. Commentaries explain that technically, pharaoh was a legitimate king and a king warrants respect. And even though pharaoh, due to his cruelty and his oppression of the Jews and his killing of the Jewish babies and his killing of many other Jews as well, was certainly reason for him to suffer. And the plagues were very purposefully done in a manner that would have him not only suffer physically, but also would make a mockery out of Paro, as described in the beginning of next week's Parsha, that there's an element of God playing with this irony over here. And think about it. Paro, who at the end of the story, is now realizing that here, his decree to kill every Jewish baby boy had one particular Jewish boy put into the reeds where his daughter found him, and that boy ends up being raised on the Pharaoh's knee. The savior of the Jews was raised by the Pharaoh. And so many other elements that click into place to really bring out the irony and the, we could call it even a humor over here, how ridiculous this is and how ridiculous it looks when Pharaoh is suffering with the frogs all over the place, and as the Medrash describes, even within his body as well. Yet, despite the fact that he must suffer this way, he doesn't have to have something challenging his position as the king. And he doesn't deserve that added element, because being the king is something that he technically has the right to. And as such, kings warrant respect. Moshe has to preserve that aspect of respect for Paro as the king. The Musser text, the various texts that derive messages for us, those of us who are not standing facing the Pharaoh, and those of us who have 
rare opportunity to actually be talking to a king, they draw attention to the fact that there is a statement that describes that at the time of death, we are challenged by God with the following expression. The, the, the challenge, the judgment is himlachta es kumcha. Did you properly coronate? Did you properly treat as a king your creator? And in a parallel statement, himlachta es chavercha. Did you properly coronate? Did you properly treat as king your peer? The statement, which is quoted in many very early texts and reflected upon in the letter of the Vilna Gon, the Geras Hagra, when he was attempting his move to Israel and sharing a letter with a family he left behind in the hopes eventually if he got there, he would call for them. He actually never made it to Israel. He had to come back. But in describing our interaction with the other, how we deal with our peer, how we deal with our coworker, our colleague, our spouse, the, the recognition that we must give each other that he or she, relative to me, are to be treated as nobility, are to be treated as monarchy. This notion of himlachta es chavercha, actually the, the text there continues, himlachta es chavercha benachas ruach, and was there a pleasantness in how you treated your monarch friend? Do you treat them as royalty and therefore maintain a demeanor of calm, a demeanor of respect, a demeanor of nachas? This idea that we are to treat each other as a melech, again, in the Muster text, they describe that in our day and age, where we are taught, don't be the doormat. Make sure nobody else takes advantage of you. You've got to assert yourself, maintain your self-respect and your personal dignity. Well, yes, you should have self-respect and personal dignity, but you should be able to use your sense of self-respect to be able to project that if I want respect and what ultimately gives me reason to have respect, the fact that I'm created in the image of God. I'm a very special person. God values me. God created me very purposefully. Well, that's also true about my peer. That's also true about my colleague. That's also true about my spouse, my parent, my child. And even in a situation where I must be somewhat stern with somebody, I legitimately should be criticizing somebody. It's my role to be pointing out an error that they made to try to correct them Moshe to Paro, when he's legitimately challenging the Pharaoh and legitimately addressing the fact there's going to be a destruction of the Egyptian empire and legitimately hinting to the fact that Paro is going to come begging, yet he does so in a manner of respect. Well, nobody that we are interfacing with who warrants whatever level of criticism or rebuke is in any way a trace of the evil of Paro. They are in no way reflecting anything close to a small percentage of Pyro's failure. And if there is a respect needed for that king, well, if each of our friends are to be treated as a king, they warrant my carnating them. They warrant my respect in this manner because each of us are a king and a queen, and I should project unto each other that they are a king and a queen. Then how much more so we have to be cautious about the tone that we use, the words that we use. 
Sometimes the words must be harsh, but maybe the tone need not be. Sometimes the tone may be appropriately harsh, but maybe I can minimize the harshness of the words to maintain that respect of the other. To accomplish this, we have to be attentive to the fact that the other is special, the other should be treated as nobility, the other should be treated as that king or queen. Not always so easy. I came across the past two weeks, two amazing anecdotes. They get perspective on the capacity for one to be focused outside of him or herself and to be attentive to the plight or the needs of another. One fascinating or of Aaron Cutler, the one who founded the Lakewood Yeshiva and ultimately the entire huge community of Lakewood is a derivative of that and much of the Torah in America is a derivative of that as well. The story was told by one of the people who would drive him, how he was driving with a Roy Cutler and they, there were two hitchhikers on the side of the road. Now don't take a lesson from this following anecdote to change your behavior regarding picking up hitchhikers, but uh, there were two hitchhikers and Roy Cutler pointed them out to the driver. Is it like the two young men there need a ride? And the driver had by that point kind of uh, kept his pace and was driving past them. And Rabbi Cutler said to him, like, you didn't stop. They, they still need the ride. So the driver mentioned, well, you know, there's concern who you pick up and what they might do. And this is actually about 40 years ago, yet uh, there already was concern 50 years ago, actually. And um, Rabbi Cutler said, well, there's three of us in the car. There's only two of them. What are you worried about? And the driver said, well, whatever, you know, this, this is like not, not what we usually do. But he saw that Ray Cutler was really disturbed that he hadn't picked them up. So he said, well, to pick them up now is going to mean, you know, going, looping around, getting back to that spot. It could take a while to get, go pick them up. Is that what I should do? So Ray Cutler said to him, do you have a better idea? Like, of course, that's what I want you to do. So the driver did loop around and the two young men were still there now. We might expect, okay, the happily ever ending of the story was it turned out that maybe one or both of them were Jewish and they enrolled in the uh, rabbinical school and one became a great Torah scholar, but that's not actually what happened. Thankfully, also no tragic outcome, but <clears throat> two guys, neither ride somewhere along the way and they took them you know, along their route. The driver later asked Ray Cutler why this was such a big deal to him. And Ray Cutler said, they have a mother or mothers who are concerned about them. And this is an age, believe it or not, there was a period of world history before cell phones. These guys didn't have a way to communicate with their mother, what's going on with them, and uh, what the delay was. And you have a mother who's waiting for them at home and she's worried and that pains me, that worries me. This is Roy Cutler who was shouldering community issues. He was shouldering national issues. He was shouldering international issues. Yet some unknown mother of, or two mothers maybe perhaps, of some unknown hitchhiker, anonymous hitchhiker, her being in some state of, I doubt I'll call it maybe anguish, but some level of worry or concern for an extra who knows how long, that was concerning to him. Just heard, after hearing that story, unrelated, and actually told totally from venue, my Aaron Cutler's father-in-law, or this is Meltzer, great, great sage living in Israel, the story was told that when his students got up the nerve to ask why it was that the route he took from his home to the yeshiva or the base menorish where he studied and taught, why he always took a route that was technically a little bit longer than the shortest route. 
could have gone one route, there'd have been a few minutes, he went another route that added a minute or two. And he explained to them, well, that other route that you're suggesting I take, there's a bunch of chickens who are often along the road over there. And as I walk with my walking stick, that might frighten them and I don't want to cause them any distress and therefore I walk the other route. Okay, hitchhikers, we can understand. The mothers of the hitchhiker, we can understand. These were chickens, the great, great, great people who have so many incredibly important things on their mind, also the capacity to have lots of smaller things on their mind as well. And the plight of a chicken, the plight of another anonymous person, the plight of the mother of an anonymous person, that's of concern to a great person. We probably don't have to worry about disturbing any chickens on a regular basis, and I'm not going to recommend picking up hitchhikers. But to be attentive to what's going on in somebody else's world, have you elevated them to be a king in your eyes, or you're spying to them as if they were nobility, means am I in tune to what their needs might be and reactive to them? If I actually the opportunity to be interfacing with monarchy or even nobility, I'd probably be quick to offer the drink. Can I help you get your coat? Can I put away your coat? Can I be helping provide you something in the office? Can I be helping you figure out how to do something in this program? Can I be of use to you as far as uh, I'm heading to the store? Can I pick up something for you? If we were interfacing with, quote unquote, real monarchy, real nobility, uh, just as we do very often with a real senior, somebody who's in a situation where they're much more um, either have needs that you know they can't take care of themselves or clearly warrant a respect. And we are eager to be playing that role with that's how we are supposed to view our peer, our colleague, those we interact with regularly. The phrase in the very early uh, description of the judgments, the challenges that were faced among the earliest questions that one is challenged with at the time of their passing and determining their spiritual future, their spiritual destiny. Have you treated God as your king? And have you treated your peer as your king? Those are in the same, same expression. Just two phrases in the same short paragraph over there of the initial questions. And apparently there's a relationship between those two. They are both very meaningful in the eyes of God and as such should be meaningful in our eyes as well. And if we can recognize we are in the company of kings, if we're in the company of others who are made by God to play unique roles in this world, who are made by God in his image. And if we're blessed to have dozens or scores or even hundreds of kings and queens that we interface with in our lives, we have then dozens or scores of hundreds of opportunities to fulfill this if we can do so if we can be oriented towards that recognition of the greatness of the other of the nobility of the monarchy of the other and we can be mindful of the fact that um, there, there are needs there are maybe not even a need but there are benefits something that they would appreciate and i am considered to be grand and glorious when I am rising, aspiring to do that for them. I really like the window open. She'd like it closed. I'd really like the heat a little higher. He'd like it lower. If I can be in tune to the need of the other, 
receptive and responsive to the of the other. I am being mamlech them. I am elevating them. I'm treating them as that level of melech, of king and queen. And in so doing, we will be the type of people who will be far more likely to achieve our tachlis.